and then I don't want anybody like that in the White House. So can I have my car back? I don't know. Find it. We can go ask. I totally respect your viewpoint on this. I so totally do. But I think that we were not around. How come this has never been brought out before? <laughs> it's common knowledge. I never heard it. So th- this gets to Joe, what Joe was talking about being in, uh, on juries and jury duty and why you need to show up. So here's a woman who is caucusing for Mayor Pete. I don't know who decided to tell her that Mayor Pete was gay or if the, was somebody trying to make that an argument of why you shouldn't support Mayor Pete. I don't I think know. It may well have just been a reference to his husband. She said, what? Anyway, she finds out Mayor Pete is gay and married to another fella and says, what? I, can I change my card or my vote, in other words? I don't want a guy like that in the White House. Yeah, and then... Uh, <clears throat> says, I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. Is that common knowledge? Yes. If you've been paying the least bit of attention yeah. at all. Yeah. How did you end up a supporter of Mayor Pete and not know that? Nice old gal. I don't know. She doesn't read the paper Reminds much. Reminds me busy. of my grandson. How can exactly. you? <laughs> He's a good boy. You can't be in favor of, of uh, what do they call those, LIVs, low-information voters? You can't be in favor of somebody paying that little attention voting and having a role in democracy, can you? You can't make an argument for that. Sure, yeah. They make arguments in favor of it all the time. They're terrible arguments, and they will ruin the country. But, yeah, that's the whole rock the vote thing. We want anybody who can fog a mirror to show up to vote because the dumber they are and the less informed they are, the more easily manipulated they are. You are really LIV. The fact that you're supporting Mayor Pete. See, if she was like a Biden supporter and didn't know that, I could get that. You didn't follow his campaign. You right. were there's a good. But chance. you're stuck on Mayor Pete. No, there's a good chance that's what happened. In a lot of the precincts where Biden didn't meet the viability threshold, oh, his numbers gotcha. went to went to Pete. Hey, can we and change? So she could have been that, but I don't she know. went over to Pete's thing, and then yeah. he didn't know anything about him. Can we change the uh, the verbiage we use? The man's almost eighty. Can we quit saying he doesn't meet the viability standard? <laughs> But to me, it's like saying he's got one foot in the grave. It's insensitive. His heart, his blood pressure's too low. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. doesn't meet the viability standard. Code, code green, code green. He's not reaching the viability standard. God, I read a description of something you mentioned yesterday, Sean. So there was one, they picked one precinct where Biden was supposed to be the strongest. It was your typical Biden blue-collar union voter. Perfect. And so that's where the, the, the Biden... Guy was running his campaign in Iowa. I don't forget what you call the guy. But anyway, that's where they were going to do their kind of their photo op thing to show all the Biden support there in the right. gymnasium. And so his the Biden guy got there early to get that front row seat and everything like that. And like two more people trickled in and sat in that spot. And the, the Buttigieg thing filled up and the Bernie thing filled up and there wow. were some Warren people. But there ended up being like two people with this dude in that section. And they eventually, the Buttigieg people came over and said, can we use those top rows since you're not using them because we don't have room for all oh, our people? Oh, boy. Yeah, it doesn't look like you need them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there were multiple places where that happened. The, the one I saw was a high school gymnasium where they essentially had the... The bleachers cordoned off into section 101 is going to be Bernie, section 102 is going to be uh, Biden, and then so on and so forth. And then they essentially just said, hey, actually, Bernie, you're section 101 and 102. Biden, you people go stand in the broom closet. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Not a joke. Why don't you all see if you can fit in a phone booth? That'd be a fun yeah. gag. I don't know if we have software to do this. I would like this just because it makes me look like I know what I'm talking about. Find the 110 times I said months and months ago, Joe Biden is terrible at running for president. 
I was reminded, and this is fairly devastating, he has run three times now. He's been in politics for 40-some years, 50 oh, years. That hurt my heart. He has never won a single state primary nor caucus. That's something. Not one. I apologize Not his home state. <laughs> I apologize for that. He has never wrapped his electoral chain around the head of the state next door to where he grew up nor where he served in the House, he has never won a single state. This from Ian Bremer yesterday. I know way too many Biden funders who have told me he's lost two steps. Incoherent isn't up for the race. This idea is a bunch of malarkey. Biden's still the front runner, but I don't think he's the nominee. I don't know in what way Ian Bremer sees Biden as the front runner because uh, he's not in the national polls really, and uh, he might want to go back to that tweet and edit it. And so Iowa's dead is having any influence. It's not about the delegates; it's about the momentum. And now there's no chance to get momentum because it's all spread out. Petey will get a little, but um, but not if, much. if Biden gets the nomination, that's a heck of an if. But if he does, it's because of the Iowa screw up. Because if the headline had been the big splashy headline for a whole day had been Biden finishes a week fourth. He'd have been done. Yeah, I think he's done anyway. Uh, I think so, too. His, uh, but if he survives, it's because of the Iowa screw-up. Right. If you're not following it. Oh, that's right. We have a late-night joke-off coming up in a couple of minutes, uh, all about the State of the Union address, so stay tuned for that. But uh, the the whole story on Biden was, nah, he's not going to do great in Iowa. Everybody knows that. But South Carolina, he's going to kill a Nevada Super Tuesday. Super Tuesday. Joe Biden's all... Well, his, uh, if he's is, still viable by then. Well, his support are medically or politically? I want to be clear. I'm not going nuts. Um, <laughs> his support in the aforementioned firewall places is plunging. He's right. done. He's doomed. Well, forget it. How about Ian Bremer saying he's talking to funders? These are people who send him money. Yeah. I'm guessing at the big amounts, like they know him. Yeah. And they say he's lost two steps, not a step. Well, I get it because you used to be able to get away with this politically in America. You could convince somebody to run whose heart wasn't really in it, they were past their prime, um, but they're, you know, well thought of, and you could keep them hidden. And you could just use the, the kind of warm glow about them and all, but old Joe, he got talked and flattered into running. He wasn't really into it. He didn't think it was a good idea. This is against his better judgment, and he was right. And so, yeah, I suspect that the whole Biden train is quickly going to get dismantled and set off onto the, uh, what do you call it, the side rail, what's that, in trains? The side, not a, it's a uh, spur. Mm. They put okay. off onto the spur to rust and get uh, tagged by uh, graffiti artists. I probably knew that when I used to watch Thomas the Train with my kids all the time, but my kids are older now. In fact, mm. old enough to have cello concerts. Sir Topham Hatton, now there's a leader. Exactly. Right. My nine-year-old. Brought a little dignity to the office, unlike <laughs> Trump. Huh? My what? nine-year-old, who you'll remember, chose the cello because you get to sit down. I wish I'd chosen the cello. They have Stupid trombone. You, you had to choose strings This for this thing. The, the introductory fourth grade music is only strings. She had violin, viola, or cello. And he chose cello because he oh, gets to sit. Why didn't and, I? And, uh, and they've got their first concert tonight. And uh, pretty excited about that. Grade level again? Third? Fourth? Fourth, fourth okay. grade. And All it's, right. it's beginners. Yep. And um, we practiced our songs last night. And... Um, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. You've you've explained these early concerts to me before. They're oh, yeah. fairly fairly rudimentary, as you well, would expect. Well, here's my impression of an elementary school concert. This is called Counting Fun. Three, four. Ah, ah, ah. 
together now. And on it goes for about 40 minutes. And- well, as I explained to Sam, and I know this is true, uh, that uh, everything he's learning on the cello is stuff that, because he wants to play drums, he wants to play guitar, he wants to play all these things. Yeah. All this stuff you're learning, you need to know for playing drums or the guitar. All this stuff about rests and Oh yeah, especially guitar. You read music and notes, and so it's all you know, it's all applicable. Applicable. Got to learn the language. Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, definitely. He does. He he does have the blessing and or curse that I've had my whole life in that being competent enough at something comes very easily. Mm. So you if you if you if you're not motivated to try harder than that, you can reach the bar of nobody's going to yell at you. Oh, that's my sweet spot. <laughs> you're not going to get in any trouble by just trying this hard yeah. and uh and you don't and if you're not, you know, if you're not motivated as I'm often not to excel at something, you can kind of just stay at that competent level for a very long time. Something I've managed to do my whole life. Right. Right. It's a blessing and a curse. Really. Comfortable ease. Yeah. yeah. And so he's it's it's pretty easy for him to play the, the the rudimentary stuff without much effort, but he's we haven't we haven't uh, moved toward taking it very seriously yet. The great Jonathan Turley, legal scholar with an editorial, just came out in the hill. Nancy Pelosi should resign. Wow. His reasoning plus. Wow. Plus and Jonathan a, Turley's not a bomb chucker. No, he's a serious man. Wow. His reasoning and a late night joke off on the State of the Union coming up in moments. Armstrong and Getty. Before we get to this kind of interesting breaking news about Jonathan Turley, respected constitutional professor from George Washington University and not a bomb chucker, regular on uh, CBS Early Show, he is out today saying Nancy Pelosi needs to resign for tearing up that speech last night. If you don't know about that, we'll fill you in. Among other things. We've got a late night joke off, and boy, do we love these. <laughs> uh. I kind of was a leafy. Uh. There's three comedians will make a joke about a single topic. I, Joe Getty, will grade each joke, and the bottom grade getter will be banned from comedy for life. The State of the Union has been going on for hundreds of years. I know that. But, but when you take a step back, you have to admit, it's kind of weird as a tradition. Because right? why does the president get to give his own job evaluation? That's strange. <laughs> Nobody else gets to do that. He's just up there like, my economy, the best ever. My military, the best ever. My children, eh, D plus. <laughs> Eric, Eric, you're holding us down. President Trump delivered the State of the Union address today. And I think he's feeling cocky because he just said, it's good, and walked off stage. The White House said Trump's speech was designed to focus on policy buckets, like the economy and immigration, as opposed to the buckets Trump usually focuses on original and extra crispy. Well, we have our grades, Jack. That didn't take long. First of all, Trevor Noah with a D. It was, it was just terrible. Although I thought it, I, I agree with his commentary. It's what I said earlier. I don't, I don't know why we do this anymore either. And this is not a Trump thing. I've thought right. this for years. Why do we let the leader of one branch go out and tout unopposed 
what their branch is doing. What's the point of that? Listen, I don't have a stone for a heart. I'm hearing your plea. I've upgraded them to a C minus. But it wasn't a joke anyway. Seth Myers down to a D. <laughs> Seth, My- well, wait a minute. <laughs> you know the rules. Seth Myers with a D plus. Fallon with a B. It made me laugh. Trump's a fat guy. I mean, <laughs> who eats Kentucky Fried Chicken? Right. Who really likes his KFC? So yeah, Fallon wins. Keeping in mind, Trevor Noah gets downgraded a full grade for being a oh. foreigner taking comedy jobs Americans would be willing to do, uh, and so he is banned from comedy for life, which is a shame because he's often very funny and insightful. Trump did not mention impeachment one once last night. The only reason I bring that up is <clears throat> how many... I had predicted he would. I was wrong. I admit how, it. But how many news stories did you see about he's going to do a touchdown dance and all this different sort of stuff? Fake news. I mean, yeah. just it was just crap. It was just they made up a story. He and his people, and I watched the entire thing. Um, it, it, it was He absolutely nailed it. Um, from his point of view and the Republicans' party point of view, in touting uh, achievements and positive stuff like that, and also looking very diplomatic, reaching across the aisle, saluting a number of African Americans and announcing programs that are especially beneficial to African Americans, and uh, it was just it was very very good. And then checked off a bunch of boxes for the conservative base toward the end. It was too damned long, and and it was funny. One of the dynamics in the hall, if you didn't watch it, and, and good for you if you had something better to do, but there was so much obvious tension. Um, Nancy was openly hostile. Trump didn't shake her hand. You had the gals dressed in white, like, I don't know, it's the handmaid's tale, and there's going to be forced impregnations or something. I don't know. Well, um, Trump, the Trump didn't shake her hand or look at her when he handed her the speech, and then she broke precedent in the way she announced him, which was a pretty big deal. Yeah, which uh, Jonathan Turley actually gets to. So there was a, a great deal of tension uh, in the hall anyway, um, but he went with a very positive, uh, uplifting tone. And then at the end of the speech, which got everybody's attention, Trump says goodnight, and Nancy tears up the speech standing right behind him. Right. It's just amazing. And it's like big, super heavy stock, too. So she had to organize it and then divide it into a couple of stacks and tear each stack in half and make a big show of it. Now, Turley, the uh, the legal scholar, says, while it's long been a tradition for House speakers to remain stoic and neutral and listening to the address, Pelosi seemed intent on mocking President Trump from behind his back with sophomoric facial grimaces and head shaking, culminating in her ripping up a copy of his address. Her drop-the-mic moment will have a lasting impact on the House. While many will celebrate her trolling of the President, she tore up something far more important than a speech. She shredded decades of tradition, decorum, and civility that we now need more than ever. And for what it's worth... Turley, in this uh, editorial, um, he says the uh, uh, Trump went uh, to be borderline Oprah-like, check under your seat moments with various awards given and scholarships and the rest of it. Uh, but if the president made the State of the Union look like Oprah, Pelosi made it look like the Jerry Springer show. And then he, he criticizes Joe Wilson for saying, you lie! He had harshly criticized Justice Samuel Alito for saying not true when President Obama used his address to criticize the court for Citizens United to their faces. Um, And uh, so he's been, you know, he's been on this train for a long time. And he thinks, well, his summary is, if Pelosi cannot maintain the dignity and neutrality of her office at the State of the Union, she should resign as Speaker of the House of Representatives. She is not some Sinead O'Connor ripping up a photograph of the Pope on Saturday Night Live while shouting, fighting the real enemy. 
Pelosi, like her predecessors, is supposed to remain stone-faced even when presidents have left them personally enraged. By the way, they also he also points out that I spaced off. She put the House impeachment managers front and center, so he had to stare at them through the whole thing. Oh, really? Nadler and Schiff were front and center, right behind the uh, Joint Chiefs in the Supreme Court. I do like the <clears throat> the Joint Chiefs. Hey now, <laughs> I do like the strongly. I strongly. That's not dis- what it sounds like. Oh, oh. I strongly disliked elements of his address, which bordered on Oprah-like check-under-your-seat moments. That is true. Yes. And if you look under your seat, what's that? Huh? We all get a gift bag. There's a little you bit of You get a medal, and you get a medal. Yeah, it was a little silly. I mean, with all due respect to Rush Limbaugh and all, it's just taken the uh, State of the Union as campaign speech and show and creator of viral moments, as you pointed out earlier. It took it over a little over the top for me, and I don't know. It was I had other things I wanted to do, and it was just so dang long. Huh, that's Save your applause for the end, please. That would be nice. Well, oh, that's what I meant to say. There was so much tension in the room, the Republicans responded by applauding every comma. Every comma, every verb, every noun on their feed. It just got to be too much. Just send it in next year, Mr. President. Working away, getting the script where we want to be, and then we'll be ready to go. And will it be a reboot, or will Harrison Ford be involved? Oh, Harrison Ford will be involved, yeah. It's not a reboot. It's a continuation. Is he up for it? Oh, yeah. He can't wait. He absolutely is. Is he up for it? A new Indiana Jones movie with Harrison Ford? Do we have an age on uh, Mr. Ford? He's 79. 79. So I'm looking up at the TV. CBS Early Show doing The Power of 50. J-Lo and her amazing aging in 2020 Super Bowl. I wonder if this is just a product of an aging society, which demographically we very much are. You start heralding 80-year-old actors continuing to do their thing and 50-year-old dancers continuing to be hotties and that sort of thing. I guess it's just aging society. There's at least a 30% shot that during the most recent Star Wars movies, Harrison Ford thought he was doing a new uh, Indiana Jones Uh one. I I don't know how closely he keeps his roles separated. (laughs) Yeah, there's some commonality there. Well, listen, if it's entertaining, it's fine. It seems a little odd the guy's pushing 80, but, uh, you know, he might end up quitting the movie and running for president on the Democratic side. Um, 80 is the new, I don't know, 70? Ten hours of hair and makeup I heard for J-Lo before that performance. Ten hours? Yeah. Holy crap. Would you have to sit there the whole time? I don't know. You should probably, some of it's not, probably not stationary, but, you know, it's, it's essentially pampering for ten hours, and then you get out yeah. and go and dance for five minutes. Yeah, so. I was reading this article, this op-ed piece in the New York Times, which is their most forwarded uh, article this week. Um, on uh, a woman saying, am I supposed to look like this too? And the guilt she feels and her and her friends arguing about yeah. whether this is empowering or belittling. I think you'd or... have to be a woman to get it. If you're a professional dancer performing at the Super Bowl, maybe you do. But if you're not, you don't have to look like that. Right. Again, that's you'd have to be a woman. The whole <laughs> empowering or belittling thing. Are you is... a woman? Do you identify as one today, Sean? Because I will respect that. No, neither. You, you brought neither this... of those. You're one ugly broad if you are, but no <laughs> offense. You brought this up on Monday, and it's an interesting question, which I don't have time for now because i got something else. But the, is it empowering to be super, super sexual and be a sex object? Is that empowering? Or is that the exact opposite of what 
Mean, I've mostly been trying to accomplish. Bit it. of a head scratch. And this was a the conversation with this woman and her friends on Facebook, and they they all had differing opinions. But it's kind of interesting. Um, came across this. I think we got a number of people in the audience who will find this interesting. Another highly shared column from the New York Times: Four ways to help your college student grow up. None of them involve calling the school to fix their problems. <laughs> yeah, and it's um, written by somebody who would know. I wouldn't normally call you, but my child is not good at advocating for herself, is a common phone call for the uh, dean and director of family engagement at this particular college. I often hear this kind of claim. It's rarely true. In almost all cases, the parents and guardians who tell me this have unknowingly prevented their children from handling their own affairs. I wish they would recognize this kind of overparenting for what it is, counterproductive. Research has linked overparenting to a wide range of negative outcomes, including low self-efficacy, depression, decreased school engagement, and poor academic adjustment. Worst of all, acting as a go-between and swooping in to solve every minor problem can help to signal young people that their parents think they're incompetent and incapable of self-advocacy. Right. Of course, that's the message you right. get. If my dad, I can't even imagine. I mean, there was zero of this going on in my life. But if my mom or dad had been checking in to see if I got registered on time for a class or whatever, I'd have thought, oh, my God. Yeah. What do they think of me? Yeah. Well, and it's enabling in that if you're the sort who isn't offended by that, you will be more than happy to never develop those muscles. Those 61% of adults with kids 18 to 29 say that, in general, parents are doing too much for their for young, off, young adults. Only 28% they themselves are doing too much. So, you know, half of that 61% are ignoring their own reality, I guess. It's hard to say. Uh, it's hard for them to see how their own, quote, helping behaviors are harming their children. There are those who intervene unnecessarily in the lives of their college-age children, and they are typically aware of it and emphatically reject being categorized as helicopter, bulldozer, snowplow, or lawnmower parents. What's a lawnmower parent? Uh, It's like a snowplow, but in a warmer climate. Okay, gotcha. (laughs) Uh, I don't think there's much to be gained from assigning negative labels to moms and dads who need a bit of guidance on how to take a step back as their sons and daughters transition into adulthood. Well, you you got to recognize, though, it's all it's intended out of love and care. It's not it's not a malicious intent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yes. Uh, Yeah. I prefer to think of them as fix-it parents, since their primary shared goal is to solve problems in order to protect their children from pain and discomfort. No, I prefer a more insulting term. There you go. I really do. I think the mockery, gentle mockery, not bitter or hateful mockery, but gentle mockery is uh, is helpful. As our t-shirt uh, puts it in Latin that nobody wants, uh, mockery teaches morals. Remembering these altruistic intentions helps me reach common ground with the parents who call the Office of Family Engagement... Why is there an Office of Family Engagement at your university? What does that even mean? Didn't have one at mine. No. Uh, To complain that their daughters are unable to register for their preferred classes, are intimidated by their professors, are not happy with the water pressure in the dorm showers, are worried their roommates don't like them, or are dissatisfied with the food options on campus. Is it... uh, I've noticed several references to daughters. I heard from dads as frequently as I hear from moms... The fathers who contact my office have a tendency to inf- infantilize their daughters. Yeah, I don't know if this is... It this seems an to be mostly school? about girls. Um, mm-hmm. And try to enforce their own solutions. 
When a student isn't able to register for a class because it's full, for example, her exasperated father might call to inform me that the administration needs to open more sections of the course so that there'll be an open seat for his child. And when I explain that no one is available to teach an additional section, the common response from dad is, well, then you need to hire more instructors. <laughs> Moms usually to take more a more collaborative approach to these um some parents start right at the top. After one anxious dad contacted the college president's office to voice concerns that his daughter wasn't registered for, quote, the right classes, I followed up with the student directly. It turned out that she and her father weren't on the same page at all. She wanted to take different classes. Oh, boy. Boy, I, when I registered, I, I was in, I don't know. I don't know what it's like for people now, but I went through the list and picked my own classes. I didn't even, I didn't even talk to my parents about it. Were right. your parents so what, paying for your college? No. There's Although a, there's you, a difference. You talk no, you gotta talk to your academic counselor and the people who tell you how you get to fulfill the needs of your your major. You don't ask mommy. I mean, no, that's just crazy. I'm sorry. How people much of this nuts. is them asking mommy and how much of this is mommy inserting herself well, into it's, the situation? It's mostly that. Yeah. It's yeah. mostly that. that uh, Although, yeah. you know, the the one is the other side of the coin. Right. <clears throat> Yeah, um, I don't. I don't. Uh, I get the temptation because we all feel it. I just, I don't know where we have gone as a society. Well, I, I suppose we, there are half a dozen examples I could give of this. We are much less into self reliance than we used to be as a society. We are much more into somebody needs to do this for me. God, I would have been horrified with. Um I remember the. I've <laughs> my told mom this, called a college president. Oh, or, or, or one of my professors. <laughs> right. I mean, I've told this story before. I had this chemistry class. It was a lab. It was the first lab class I ever had. And somehow, I don't know if I was spaced out or sick that day or whatever. I missed the day when they talked about the lab portion. So I got to the end of the semester, this chemistry class, and I said, "It's called chem and lab. What's what's the lab part? What is that?" And the teacher said, "What? Oh, boy. you haven't been going to the lab?" And I said, "No." So everybody's been going to the lab three times a week the entire semester. Oh, boy. Um, and I had no idea of this. Wow. And uh, like This class is easy. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to make the whole thing up in like 48 hours. I spent like 48 hours. I mean, the entire day and deep into the night in the lab and doing everything. <laughs> they made you drink some of the chemicals. Just By myself with no punishment. partner to get caught up. But the uh, idea of my mom or dad calling. We have no Bunsen burners. Burn your own hair. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of my mom or dad calling the professor and talking to them about it and yeah. how to fix it. I would just, I would have cried. Jack I mean, has I would have been trouble so, with schedule. I would have been so embarrassed. Oh yeah, yeah. To not fi- figure that out on my own. Yeah, and either suffer the rep- you know, the, the the whatever penalty there was, or fight through it. I ended up getting a good grade, and everything was fine. But yeah, geez, that's just horrifying. And it wouldn't have been good for me either. Not only would I have been horrified as a person to have my parents interject at that point in my life. It's not good for you. Oh, no, it's terrible. Well, we've heard... Like I said, I I did not accidentally use the words preventing you from using those muscles. It's very important you exercise those muscles and make them strong. Solving your own problems, seeking solutions, dealing with frustration, the rest of it. Well, it's not just college. We've done the stories of bosses saying that's a common thing, to have mom and dad call... Oh, that's and, right. And say, you know, uh, Jack's feeling like some of the coworkers, you know, really don't appreciate the work he's doing there, and he's having trouble. Or Jack what? isn't feeling good today and won't be into work. Oh, my God. Yeah. I just, I think it's a cultural thing. We've gone from a country that absolutely celebrates individualism and, and responsibility and toughness, and, and now we're very, very soft. Well, it may just be impossible to avoid. Uh, 
Affluence brings softness. I guess if we do, if we're doing this story and you're listening to it and thinking I do that, I didn't know other people thought that was weird. Stop people, it. Other other people think it's weird, and it's not good according right. to everyone. It's not good for a kid. Well, you're crippling your child. I mean, it's very much like forbidding them from using their legs. You have to develop those intellectual muscles of solving problems and and confronting the unfair people and the rest of it. That is, you know, it's funny. I had this chat with my kids once. And I think it made an impression. You never know. Uh, They were very, very frustrated with a teacher. And it was fairly early in the semester. Age-ish? Like we're talking? High school. Okay. And, um, and, And I thought their complaints were quite legitimate. And I said to them, listen, this is not going to help you much right now, but trust me when I say this. You are learning how to deal with somebody you don't respect that you must deal with to achieve one of your goals, which is getting a good grade in this class, you know, your grade point average, college, blah, blah, blah. This skill is far more important than what they were allegedly going to teach you in the class. If you can stay, no doubt about if that. you can stay diplomatic, you can figure out how to get through in spite of that tension and still achieve your goals. That is way more important than you know. I can't even remember the topic of the class. Way more important, and you just you have to let your kids do that, even if it's hard to watch. Yeah, but my, who am I to tell you who how to live? My son has a couple of people in his class that drive him crazy. Other students, and I've told him that with uh, with other people that they're every class you you know. Even if I could move you to a different class, there'd be some kids in that class you don't like yeah. or get along with. Every class you ever have in your entire life through high school, college, and then every job you ever have and every group you're ever a part of is going to have people in there you can't stand. That's wow, just the way it I works. I thought you loved your son. You should call the school and get him into a different class. But you're right. That's a better skill than whatever they were supposedly teaching them. Yeah. How to Hate America 101 or something right. like that. Right. Well, it's very important. <laughs> 101 through 301 before they graduate from high school. <laughs> so uh, much more. Yeah, that's really interesting. This happens so fast. It's not like I'm 90 years old and in the 20s. It was like this for, for me in college. I mean, it's, it, it, how did things happen so fast that now parents are calling the teacher or the the school and saying, uh, some of his roommates he doesn't like. Freaking figure it out. I don't like him either. <laughs> but you can't run a Whole him. Foods race and what I insist yes. is still a Campbell's Soup Nation. That's, that's our motto what, of the day. That's what you teach your kids. <laughs> Coming up, uh, every tax dollar you've paid over the last five years has gone to condoms for an African nation you've never heard of. Oh, boy. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. A company in Japan has started holding funerals for old sex dolls where clients can mourn their doll while they watch it get destroyed. And for once I can say with absolute certainty, she's in a better place. (laughs) Wow. That's an interesting story and funny joke. God, you troubling, man. You weirdos. That's troubling. Well, it fits in with this other story we were just talking about, doesn't it? 
Somehow, yeah, yeah. the changing world where yeah. the people who don't get in relationships and have sex dolls and... and, and Nobody's and, having kids and, and then Western parents, civilization's dying off. Parents contact colleges and employers on behalf of their kids like their second graders. Wow. Uh, we got a couple of texts. First, this one. Ten hours of hair and makeup for J-Lo makes you wonder what she really looks like. That is true. I'd like to see her completely unmade. Completely unmade in Manhattan. Yeah. Huh? That's my yeah, J-Lo that's one. That's movie really, reference. She's a little dated. Joke. <clears throat> it is. Um, on the uh, hovering... She's a real hustler. If you... on the, I on couldn't the... even finish the sentence. <laughs> on... Oh, like the movie she was in. <laughs> <laughs> on the uh, hovering parents. My son is screwed. He'll never find a wife with these girls and their hovering daddies. Yeah, geez. How does that factor in? If mom and dad are contacting... Your school when you're 21 years old on your behalf. What's going to be like dating? Jeez. I feel like part of that is the astronomical cost that colleges now have being comparable to luxury vacations in the finest hotels in Europe and parents treating it like it's a, a an educational summer camp sort of thing. And That's they want an to, interesting point. And they need to make sure that I'm they, that my kids get the value that I'm putting. And I, I feel like there's some of that tension there, too. Could be. It's no longer showing up to get educated, period. Yeah, it is. Yeah, with the luxury accommodations mm-hmm. and programs. Educational and summer camp. I love yeah. that. What do you mean my daughter didn't get the class she wanted? I'm paying you blah, blah, blah. There blah, was blah. archery on the pamphlet. And you're telling me you don't have enough bows for my kid to take archery at the summer camp? Yeah, well, the whole university thing needs to be torn down. It's the phone culture. Parents have to know where their kids are at all times, check their kids' grades, etc., etc. I have uh, witnessed this with a few people I know. I totally get this issue. Even as a 32-year-old married woman with two kids, my mom called the principal where I am a teacher last year to let her know that my brother was going through cancer treatment. I understand that my mom did this out of love to give my boss some insight and into what my home stresses were. But, she yeah. writes with many U's, I also feel like it made me look like I'm still a child and need my mommy to look out for me. It definitely did make it look like that. Yeah, that was just out of line. Nanya. I mean, mind ya. Mind your own business. I don't know. That is something. Okay, I don't know what's we, happened to this. we got to hit you this. This just leaked out. That's a interesting choice of words. We need to uh, talk about the seven hundred thousand dollars sent to a African nation for condoms. Um, probably as much money as some of our listeners will ever spend in taxes. But uh, stay tuned. Ten cents, the big communication app website in uh, in Asia, right? Yeah, like a, a kind of a, a, a uh, Amazon for um, China. 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 Tencent may have accidentally leaked the real data on the coronavirus there in Wuhan. Well, good. Yeah, if these numbers are true, though, it's something. So China is claiming, I'm going to skip to the headline, because they go through all these other numbers. I'm going to skip to the headline. China is claiming 300 dead. According to this Tencent data, it's more like 25,000. Jeez Louise. Really? China is claiming, well, whatever they're claiming, well, it must be 15,000 uh, confirmed cases. Tencent says 154,000, ten times the number that China is giving us. Now, who knows if this is bogus or not? Yeah, I don't know. I will. Uh, I don't know what to believe, but I absolutely do not believe the Chinese figures. 
as I have heard it directly from business people who are going to go to China, who are told by their uh, associates in China, do not come. It is far worse than the government is admitting. Donald Trump don't trust China. Nope. No, he doesn't. Wow. So the Chinese official death toll is 300 and it it may be 25,000. In a country of 1.4 billion people? It's not hard to believe at all. No. 25,000 oldsters or children died from this? How many people are in that Wuhan city? Wuhan? I don't know. It's millions. A lot. Millions. I remember it was 11, shockingly I think you told us 11 million the right. other day. Right. Yeah. Tencent updated the numbers to reflect the government's officials later that day. Yeah, so Fifty Cent have a comment. <laughs> this has happened three separate times where uh, Tencent has initially posted numbers much higher than the official tally and then quickly lowering them to match the government's own uh, personal Somebody's numbers. going to a re-education camp. The U.S. government will spend more than half a million dollars to provide residents of tiny poverty-stricken Eswatini condoms. $700,000 will help fund a national condom strategy launched by their Ministry of Health. Happy to do it. Beautiful landlocked Eswatini. It's beautiful this time of year. Used to be known as Swaziland. Does that help? Is this in our nation's interest? 